0: Thank you. It is indeed a pleasure to be here. Uh, my wife's here with me. Uh, we came up on Friday to s- spend the weekend for Valentine's Day. That was nice. Every time we come here, we think this feels like home. Uh, you guys have extended a lot of love to us through the years and through the interactions and relationships that we've had with you all. It's, it is good to be here. I uh, sincerely mean that. So thank you for having me. Uh, And also thank you on behalf of Summit Christian College for the continued support in working to train up men and women to go out and to proclaim the gospel all over the world. Uh, It's a much needed ministry today as well, as it always has been, right? Um, I just wanted to share with you briefly on the table, we have some literature out there, so if there's some information you might want to know about the college, you can take a look at that. I'll also step out there, so if you have any questions, you can... Talk to me about that, um, of anything you might be curious about the college. Also, if you know somebody um, that you think the Lord might be calling into ministry, step alongside of them. Put your arm around them. And say, have you ever thought about using your life to serve the Lord? Tell most people I know that went into the ministry how it started. Somebody came up to them and said, have you thought about uh, so would you do that? So I mentioned that uh, came up here for Valentine's Day. Do you have a good Valentine's Day? Celebrating love. <laughs> it's worth celebrating, isn't it? And we do. We celebrate love. We champion love. We sing songs about love. We're grateful for love. We're grateful for God's love. And I think it's good to be reminded of God's love. It's good to be reminded that we're supposed to love each other, even if it comes around once a year and we have to do something, right, for Valentine's Day. Uh, I was at a, we were at a couple's retreat a few years back, and the people that were leading it, they said, life gets in the way of your relationships. They said, so what happens when you become angry with each other, when things start to you know, become raw between you. What you have to do is you have to look at each other, and you have to say, it's not about you, and it's not about me, it's about life. Life just gets in the way. And so they said, do that. So I looked at my wife and I said, sometimes it's about you. <laughs> and then I said, and sometimes it's about me. Because it is, isn't it? Now, the person that was leading that was not wrong. Life gets in the way. Life is rough, isn't it? And that's why we're told in the scriptures that love is a labor. It's not just the good feelings that we have. It's just not the way that we feel towards somebody when we feel good, or it's not just the being on the clouds type of feeling, right? Paul says it very clearly in in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 when he's praising the Thessalonians and saying, I I praise God for you. I pray for you continually because what he sees in them is their work of faith and their labor of love and their steadfastness and perseverance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice that each one of those highlights of faith, the three big ones, faith, hope, and love? They all had work or perseverance tied to them. Your work of faith. It's a work. Your labor of love. It's a love. It's it's a labor. And that word there that's used for labor, it it, it doesn't mean just regular work. It's the word for toil. It means strenuous labor. It means sweat-producing labor. Some of you are like, I know that kind of love. My wife's shaking her head. I know that kind of love. It takes a lot of work to love somebody like you. It it is a labor. And the thing that happens is life can get in the way, right? Life can wear us down. And this is exactly what Jesus says takes place. In Matthew 24, he says, In the last days, lawlessness will increase. And when lawlessness increases, love grows cold. Did you hear that? When lawlessness increases, love grows cold. In other words, when we live in a society or around people and even with ourselves who are sinful and don't walk by the Spirit and don't walk in love, and we live in a culture that says we don't care about the truth, we don't really care about what's right, we just want to get ahead, you live in that long enough, you know what it does to your heart? it produces something in your heart it makes your heart sort of shrink and get hard right it's not about you it's not about me it's about life well it sort of is about us because it's our heart it's our heart that's being affected by it if you don't believe me someday when you wake up nice and happy and you're heading off to work or well maybe you wouldn't be happy going to work you're heading off to your favorite restaurant or something and, and somebody pulls in front of you just doesn't care runs a red light the stop sign doesn't do the right of whatever What's the first thing that happens to your heart and mind? (gasps) My love has just increased so much, exponentially. (laughs) My grace is through the roof. I'm just so grateful that people are unkind and cut me off and don't care. And we don't do that, do we? We don't do that. When life gets hard on the outside, it affects us on the inside. When life gets rough on the outside, it affects us on the inside. And what Jesus is warning about is he's saying, times are going to be rough. We live in a fallen world. We live in a place where people don't care about the truth, they won't care about love, they won't care about righteousness. And sometimes, unfortunately, they don't care about you. And you're the recipient of that. And he says, what can happen is our love will grow cold we'll start to be infected by that. We'll start to want to protect our own hearts. And so we'll hold our own love in and we'll keep our love for ourselves. And and that's a real problem because we're called to love. We're called to labor in love. We're called to love as he loved us. This is a warning that, that John gives in the book of Revelation to one of the churches Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1 to the church in Ephesus. To the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. And what that means, John gave us that, that interpretation of that. It means that Jesus is right here with us. The lampstands are the church. He's the light. We're the stand. He shines his light through the church, through his people. And it says that he walks amongst the lampstands. He knows. He knows us. He knows you, Paradise Valley. He knows you. Everything about you. And he cares. And when he knows something, he proclaims it. And at the end of this, he's going to say, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we can't just say, well, this is just for Ephesus. It's very clear. After each one of these letters, he says, everyone needs to listen. We all need to listen to this. And look what the Spirit says to the churches. I know your deeds. I know your toil. Your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to test those who call themselves apostles, but they're not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my namesake and have not grown weary. But listen to this. But I have this against you. You've left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent Yet you do have this, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. The Christian walk is difficult. That's why he's commending them. He's saying, I I see your deeds. I see what you've done. You're toiling. That's the same word that was used for labor of love the same Greek word. You're toiling. You're persevering. You're fighting. You're not giving up. When there's unrighteousness, you're willing to stand up and say, that's not right. And you're going to fight for righteousness. You're going to fight for goodness. You're going to fight for truth. That's what he says. You're able to, you're using your mind and you're testing whether these are real apostles or false apostles. And you're able to say, that's not right. That one doesn't belong to Jesus. That's not from the mouth of the shepherd. That's from somebody else. And, and that takes work, doesn't it? That takes some mental energy. Not only that, it takes some, some real toughness to stand up and say, that's not right. We're losing some of that today in the church. Because you get weary. And you look around and you go, I can't fight at all. And what good's is it going to do if I say something? Right? I mean, I just can't do this. It's too much. It's too big. I'm, I'm just done. And we, and we feel like we're protecting ourselves when we do that. I'm just going to wear myself out. So I'll, I'll put myself in reserve. And, and we see a church that's doing that today. And saying, you know what? Doctrine doesn't really matter. Righteousness? Eh, everybody has their own way. And what he's saying here, what Jesus is saying here, is truth matters righteousness matters and you're going to have to fight the good fight for those things but what happens is you can grow weary doing that and that's exactly what happened to the church at Ephesus it says man you're fighting you are warriors but you're warriors without love you're warriors without love you lost the love you'll stand up and fight for what's right but you lost the love You'll stand up for the truth, but you lost your love. And here's what he says. It's a big deal, doesn't he? He doesn't say, ah, but that's all right. You still have truth and righteousness. What he says is if you don't have love, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. In other words, you cannot shine light in the world you live in without love. You cannot shine the light of Jesus without love. Isn't that what the scriptures say? Everyone will know you're my disciple by your, by your love. Paul says there's faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is it's love. We're taught that. And, and here it says, your lamp stands removed if you lose your love. And we can. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about the world. But be careful. Because it is about you and it is about me. And it's about us protecting our hearts and keeping our hearts close to Jesus because he's the one that truly protects them, right? And I think what happens when people fight so long for truth and they fight so long for righteousness and they fight so long to, just to get along well in life, that's really what we fight for sometimes, right? And we can find that our heart becomes bitter. And we can find that our heart becomes hard. We can find that we start to not really care about the people that we're supposed to care about. And maybe we join the world and we say, well, I'm going to love those that love me. Isn't that what Jesus says? If you only love those who love you, you don't do anything different than the rest of the world. If you only love those who love you, he says, Everybody does that. Satanists do that. They have an affinity for those that belong to them. And if that's all we have, he says, we're not shining our light. I really love how he says this to them when he asks them to repent. He says, think about the heights from which you've fallen. It's like love is, is up here. Love is the heights. Being like Jesus in love is, is reaching the pinnacle, isn't it? And when you lose that, you, you drop. You fall, that's what he, what he says. Remember the things that you did at first is what he says. Do you remember what you did at first? You remember the love you had at first? If you know Jesus? You remember that that first time? You said, "Lord, please forgive me. I just want to be yours. I accept what you've done for me." You're buried in baptism. You come up to a newness of life. Oh, I'm a new creation. You remember what that's like to have that weight removed, your conscience clean, to have your sins forgiven, to know that you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he's pouring forth his love into your heart by the Spirit. Do you remember that? But between then and the time he comes back, there's a battle. Between then and the time he comes back, he says, persevere, overcome, labor. Don't grow cold. Don't let the world pull you away. Don't let your heart get hard. Stay close to me. Cling to me. Isn't this what he says? Abide in my love. Stay in my love. We have to watch it. Because if we don't watch it, we'll wake up bitter. We won't know how it'll happen. Just along the way somewhere. We'll say, what happened? I'm I'm disconnected from the spirit. I'm disconnected from God. I'm disconnected from those works that I did at first when I was excited. And he calls our attention to that. Because it is real. And it's not a joke losing our love. And it happens when we're not careful. It happens when we have our eyes fixed on the world too much and not enough on Jesus. That's the heights, isn't it? Jesus, to be like him. And here's the thing. You guys know this as well as I do. What I just said that we're supposed to do is impossible, isn't it? It's impossible on our own, right? We can't just make something change within us to be like, oh, now I'm loving. We can't do that. It takes his spirit at work within us. It takes our surrendered heart to him for that to take place. And here's the thing he says. We love because he first loved us let that sink in a minute the labor of love that he's asking us to do he's not standing off at a distance and say go love he's shown us he's loved us with that same love he has poured forth that love into us so that we can share that love with others it's not something we manufacture by ourselves It's not something that we can come up with in the natural. This type of love is supernatural, isn't it? It's still a labor though. It's still a labor. It's still something we have to work at. And here's the beautiful thing. When we look to Jesus, when that labor of love came forth, he didn't back up. He didn't stop. He didn't stop working. He didn't stop loving. He didn't stop giving. He left the glory of heaven and came into a sin-filled world. He jumped into a pool of sin to save his bride from drowning. That's love. I'll leave glory. He was motivated by love to come for you and I, to come into a dark world, powerful and motivated by love. And think about his life. What are some of the things that you would say, ah, you know, that's what gets me. When somebody does this to me, that's what gets me. That's where the love grows cold. Jesus endured it. When he did a good work and people said, ah, oh, it's by Satan that he did that. It's by Beelzebub. I'll tell you what his motives are. His motives aren't good. He's, he didn't stop loving. He kept going when they took him to the edge of a cliff to throw him off, or they picked up stones to stone him, he didn't stop loving. He kept going. All the way through his life in ministry, he reflected love in amazing ways, mind-boggling ways, I think, when we stop and meditate on him. In John 13, the last Passover, it says that Jesus knew that his time was short. He knew that he was going back to the Father. And it says this, that loving his disciples, he showed them the full extent of his love. And so here's the King of Kings, the Lord of Glory, the Eternal One, the one that John says, I'm not even unfit to undo his sandals. He comes and he he puts on the servant's towel and he shows his love by washing his disciples' feet. Think about that. Knowing he was about to die. What's on your bucket list? Knowing you're about to die. Your days coming too, right? What's on your list? You know what was on jesus list love i'm gonna love him with the last breath that i have i'm gonna love him and he did he washed their feet and then after he washed their feet I, it just boggles my mind because i'm thinking if i'm in that situation like a little insider into my life when i'm sick it's like oh take care of me right when something goes wrong in my life, I want everybody else to come along and go, oh, sorry to hear that. You'll be okay. You know what? I'm begging for comfort, right? Anybody else or is that just me? <laughs> and here's what Jesus does. When he knows he's going, he says, let me serve you. Let me love you. Let me tell you something. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm a truth teller. If I wasn't going to do that, I wouldn't have told you, but you can expect it. And then he told him things like, abide in my love, stay in my love. And then he went and he prayed. Father, he prayed for us, not just for those disciples, but those who would hear later. That's you and I in this room. And he says, Father, I, I want them to be with me in glory. Father, I I really want them to be with us in heaven. I want them to see that glory and experience the love that you have for me. The love that you've given to me, I've given to them. I want them to know your love, Father. And Father, they're living in a terrible world and the world wants to pull them away. The world wants to distract them. They're gonna be in the world because I'm sending them into the world just like you sent me to love. I'm asking that you protect them. Don't let them be of the world, but keep them in the world. And there's an evil one. Keep them from the evil one, Lord. Protect them from Satan as they go forth. Oh, and wash them. Would you make them holy with your word? Would you do that, Father? And and he told the disciples, I'm going to ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit. Father, would you you send your Spirit upon them so that they can live from the time that they believe in me to the time that they see me as I am and they become like me, that they'll have all those gifts and the Spirit? That's what He prayed for us. In His love, He prayed for us. And you think about that all the way in His walk. He goes and He prays in the garden. Sweats, drops of blood, right? Can't imagine the, the, the torment, the turmoil that's going on in his heart. But, but all of that, those drops of blood, he didn't lose one ounce of love for you and I. He didn't lose one ounce of love for you and I. And when they, they started to say that Jesus was saying things he didn't say, Oh, he blasphemed. He said he'd tear the temple down and he'd rebuild it and things he didn't even say they're lying about him. They couldn't stop him from loving. Isn't that amazing? When they scourged his body, they couldn't beat the love out of him. Let that sink in. They couldn't beat the love out of him. When they made him carry his cross, he leaned into it with love, didn't he? And when they stripped him of his clothes to shame him, put him up naked on a cross for everybody to see and gawk at, they couldn't shame him out of his love. Hebrews says he despised the shame, looking for something greater. They couldn't shame him out of his love. And they nailed him to that cross. It was his love that kept him there. Because he could have called legions of angels. But he stayed. All the way through. While they're gawking at him and saying, well, he, he feared God. Said God loved him. Let God save him. They're gawking. They're slandering. And here's what he's doing. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Isn't that amazing love? They could not stop the love of Jesus. And here's what I think sometimes. I think sometimes we think that, well, it's Jesus, right? I mean, he's Jesus. He loves. It's just in his nature. He does it naturally because it's in his nature. And we forget that for Jesus, it was a labor too. He was tempted as we are. He felt pain like we do. He didn't stop. He kept going. See, we, we can't diminish the love of Jesus and the acts of Jesus by saying, well, it's Jesus. It's still love. And I imagine some of you know that because I think some of you are filled with the Spirit of God and you love. And it's times you still go, this is so hard. It's so hard and you keep going. They put him in the ground. They killed him. But they couldn't bury his love. We're here because we know the rest of the story, right? Three days later, the father says, arise, my love. Arise. And here's the thing. All of those things that Jesus did in love in a labor of love, all those became reality. Those pr- the prayer that he prayed for us, when he said, Father, I want you to forgive them. Yes, arise, my love. Father, I want them to be able to see you and I in glory together. Yes, arise, my love. Father, I want you to protect them from the world. Don't let the world harden their heart and turn them away and let them become one of the world. Yes, arise all those things that he did in love, well, let me say it this way. He still loves us. He didn't stop when he resurrected to the right hand of the Father. Instead, he he sent forth his spirit to pour his love into our hearts. He sent forth his spirit so we could have the same type of love that he has, so that we can experience his love that way. In Revelation chapter 1, John gives a greeting to, to the churches that he's writing to. And he says, grace and peace to you from, from God, from the one who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits that are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead. The ruler of, of all the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and shed his blood to save us from our sins. That's in the present tense. This one who is the first witness, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, loves us. And he loves us today. He hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped loving us. And his desire is that we share that same labor, that sh- same love. But it's not going to happen on our own. And perhaps you're in that place today, or maybe you've never really experienced that type of love. Maybe you've heard about the love of Jesus. But maybe you've never really experienced it. He wants you to experience it. He's calling you today. Come abide in my love. Come receive my love. Come stay in my love. But I suppose, probably for most of us, we've experienced that love. We're here because we know of his love. But maybe from that first time when we said, oh, Jesus loves me. Maybe life's got rough. Maybe we've been wronged. Maybe the temptations of the world has pulled us in. Maybe we've quenched the spirit. And maybe we're saying now, I don't really sense that love anymore. I don't sense that supernatural presence of God with me anymore. I want to tell you, that invitation that he gave to the church at Ephesus is for us. Come. Repent. In other words, turn back to me. Turn back to me and receive the fullness of my love. And then abide in my love for all of us it's for all who will believe i have some friends that just went to israel and they're posting their pictures all over facebook i've never been there but i look at those pictures and here's a thought that went through my mind at first i thought wouldn't that be awesome i mean wouldn't that be awesome to be at the sea of galilee and to see where jesus walked and where the fishermen fished and wouldn't that be awesome to walk in the uh, where the wailing wall is, see the temple mountain, think Jesus walked here, the apostles walked here. Wouldn't it be cool to go into the garden, see the vineyards and stuff like that, and, and, and maybe hear somebody teach something about uh, I'm the vine, you are the branches. I mean, there'd be something awesome about that, wouldn't it? Something being in that natural location and say Jesus was here. The truth is, is that probably most people aren't going to get to go there. There's something greater. We get to walk in his steps. Not next to a physical sea. Not on a mountain. Not in a vineyard. Right here. In spirit. We get to walk in his steps. We get to walk as as he walked. We get to love as he loved. You're going to know Jesus greater from walking in love than you will ever sitting on the seaside of Galilee. You're going to be able to serve as he served. And you're going to know the heartache when people turn away from you that you're serving. Just like he did. You're going to know him intimately when you give him your heart and you say, you teach me to love. And you will know, I'm sure you know now, but you will know that love is is a labor. And there will be times when you'll say, I want to quit. This is too hard. Maybe I'll just set sails and wait it out for heaven. Missing out on the best life. Remember the heights from which you fall if you give up on love. Today, if you need to make that decision, if you know that you have not been in his love, if you know that you have not received his love, If you know that you are not saved, today is a beautiful day to be saved and spend the rest of your life learning to love like Jesus did and receiving his love. Today's a great day for it. And if you're in that other camp where you received it, you become hard. It's a great day to allow the potter to mold your heart once again and soften it to be the home of his spirit. I wish I could stress to you how much of a labor it is, but I think you know. I'm willing to bet that there's some of you that are sitting in here right now that you're saying, yeah, but you have no idea, Aaron. You have no idea what they did to me. You have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what I had to put up with. You don't know how hard the world has been to me. You are absolutely right. I have no clue. I don't, but I know that his love and grace is greater. I do know that because there's things that happen to me that you guys know nothing about. And I've had to labor in things that you guys know nothing about. And if it weren't for the love of Jesus, if it weren't for the spirit of Jesus, if it weren't for the faithfulness of Jesus and his promises to us, I would have been hard and bitter and gone a long time ago. He saves to the uttermost. And I don't know what you've been through, but he can, I guarantee you. It's not gonna hurt you anything to try. Turn it over to him because he loves us more than we can think or imagine we cease to love we lose the light we cease to love we cease to be a light one more scripture for you sometimes when we're in a place of of hardship or when we see somebody that we don't really want to love sometimes I've seen this before. Maybe you've seen this too, memes or something on Facebook that'll say, well, you know, when you're dealing with people you don't like, just remember that Jesus flipped over tables. Or that he did the woe to you to the Pharisees, right? Woe to you, Pharisees, you whitewashed tombs. Woe to you who are leading people astray, right? But what we miss out on is is immediately after that, it says that Jesus stood over Jerusalem and he wept. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, you who stoned the prophets, you who stoned the apostles, you who reject, how long I have wanted to gather you together. If I could paraphrase that, how long I have wanted you to experience my love and receive my love how long he wept for him. It wasn't just angry. He was angry because they were missing out on something beautiful that he had to offer. In paradise, valley, I can picture in my mind, I know Jesus is, is in us. He's here. He's in our midst. He's a part of this church walking in this lampstand. But when I think about the lost that are in his community. I can imagine him standing up there on the mountain. Oh, Casper. Casper. How long I've wanted to gather you in. How long I've wanted you to receive my love, the fullness of my love. And all he's asking is that we be willing. And if he's poured his love into your heart, he's asking you to go do that same labor. I know there's people that you know that do not know him. It's going to take a lot of love to reach those people. And he has that love. And he's wanting to pour it forth into this body by his spirit so that you would be a bright and shining light, full of toil, full of struggles, needing to to persevere, but a bright and shining and faithful witness. Would you allow him to do that? Would you accept him today if you haven't? Would you turn back to his love if you've fallen away? Pray with me. Mighty God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your works of love. That you were motivated by love to send your son into this world. And that Jesus was motivated by love to speak your words, to work, do your works, to hang on a cross, to give his life, to be raised again and to live to intercede for us and all with this awesome motive of love for us. (laughs) And mighty God, would you forgive us when we have lost sight of your love, would you forgive us when we've allowed bitterness and hardness and, and other things beside your spirit to work within our hearts and to motivate our mouths and to motivate our hands and our feet and the things that we see and do? God, forgive us and wash us clean as you promise. And allow us once again to walk in your love, to abide in your love and to have our speech and our eyes and our hands and our feet all motivated by the love that you have poured forth into our hearts. And God, as we started, we are grateful that you were in this place. We are grateful, as was said during the communion meditation, that you are center, that this is about you. And we are grateful that it is what you accomplish in us and through us when we turn to you by faith. I pray you'd be finding faithful hearts in us now. We love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen is